of years ago, National Public Radio did an interview with a man named Francois Clemens. That name may sound familiar. He appeared in the television show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and was known as Officer Clemens. In the interview, he talked about um, what it meant to him when Fred Rogers first reached out to him and asked him to appear regularly on the show. He would be the first African-American uh, to appear regularly on a children's television show. But he talked about his own apprehension of appearing as a police officer. He had grown up in a very rough neighborhood and had a sort of twisted view around police officers. But he said that as he found himself doing it, he grew more and more comfortable with the role. And then there came the show in 1969, when Fred Rogers, when Mr. Rogers was relaxing with his feet in a plastic pool. And he invited Officer Clemens over to join him. And together they put their feet in the pool. And at that point, Clemens realized what an important moment that was. And he would later say this, the icon Fred Rogers not only was showing my brown skin in the tub with his white skin as two friends, but as I was getting out of that tub, he was helping me dry my feet. And if you remember what was happening in 1969, that was a pivotal moment in terms of integration. There was extreme segregation. Pools were segregated at that time. And what Mr. Rogers was showing the world was that we need to be together. Francois Clemens and Fred Rogers recreated that scene again in 1993, reminding us of the importance of being together, that we go further together. It has been said what the world really needs are less gavel grabbers and more towel takers. And what Fred Rogers showed the world was an important lesson, that we need to be willing to serve, that we need to be ready to take out the towel, a lesson to be learned. And over these past several weeks, we as well have been learning some lessons, learning about the importance of relying on one another, learning that we're not quite as strong, quite as powerful, quite as in control as we probably thought we were. And these are good reminders for us. And it's also a good reminder to know that God is with us. This morning, we continue our sermon series on the questions that Jesus asked. And we turn to the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 17. It's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, of him being amongst the disciples to show them what love is all about. So listen for God's word. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. So here we are, Palm Sunday. We have some palms here, along with the Lord's Supper. It's the sixth Sunday of Lent. And I have to say, uh, it's a little strange preaching into a camera with no audience around. Um, I love to be able to see people interact. I love to see people watch. Um, I love to have people um, laugh, whatever it might be, and, and to feed off of that energy. And so it's been hard. I was on a Zoom call a couple of days ago and was reminded of this, and we were all there, and I was telling a story that I thought was a fairly funny story, and I thought that people should be laughing, and, and, and I heard absolutely nothing, and I thought, what's going on here? Can, isn't this story funny? And then I realized that everyone on that Zoom call had their microphones on mute, and I had no idea whether people were laughing or engaging or paying attention. Um, but we have to keep going, and I know that you all are watching. And I am so grateful. I'm looking forward when we can all actually be back together in the fellowship hall um, or in the sanctuary, worshiping together. I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day and talking through this sermon series that I've been doing. And he asked me, well, what are you preaching on after Easter? And I said, that's a really good question. I'm really not sure what I mean. I said, I've been doing these questions that Jesus asked. Uh, during the season of Lent, but I'm not sure where I'm going after Easter. And so what would it be like for you, Paul, to actually preach a sermon series on questions that your church has? And I thought, well, that sounds actually like a really good idea. So here's what we're going to do. Um, over the next week or so, we have a, a new email address basically up at the church. That's questions at ljpress.org. And I would love for you to send in your questions. What are you thinking about? What do you have questions about? When you try and figure out who God is and, and what God is all about and the world that we live in, what kinds of questions are you asking? And, and I would love to hear those. We'll have a button on our website as well. You go to our website, it'll just be a questions button, and you can click on that, and the questions will get to us. And I'm going to then craft a new sermon series around the questions that you have. What questions uh, does La Jolla Press have? And so we'll spend some time thinking about that. But today, we're back to our text and we're looking at the disciples, and they're there in the upper room. And if you think about the context, this is uh, not soon right after James and John have asked the very inappropriate question of Jesus, uh, being able to sit at his right and left hand. That was a text uh, we looked at last week. And James and John both said, Lord, uh, what we really want you to do for us is when you come in glory, 
let us sit at your right and your left. And now they think Jesus is about ready to come in his glory. They don't fully understand what that means and what that looks like, but they're prepared for that. And as Jesus has come into Jerusalem, there's been the shout of the crowd, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Hosanna means save now. The people were yelling and hoping and looking for the Messiah who is to come, who is going to bring salvation. And so they shout out, Hosanna. Jesus has just healed Lazarus or raised Lazarus from the dead. An incredible miracle. And so the people are anxious. They're excited. They're looking forward to the Messiah, to the one who will bring peace and the one who will bring hope. So the disciples now have moved from that great procession and singing and song to the upper room. And they're gathered in that room around Jesus. And I think as we look at our text this morning, verse 3 is really an important part of what Jesus is all about. As you look at verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And now this is, this is what's important. And that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. And what this season is all about, and what our Lord is all about, is that he's coming down for us. This is, this is especially you know, visible and seen during this time of Easter. We remember precisely what it is that Jesus has done for us. He comes down for us. He comes to be one of us, to live amongst us. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, puts it like this. The Apostle Paul writes to the church of Philippi, In your relationships to one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And what the Gospel of John is telling us and what Jesus is telling us is saying, I have come down for you. I have left the Father's throne. I have left my dwelling place. I have left perfection to come and live amongst you, to humble myself, to live as a human lives. In John chapter 12, verse 45, Jesus basically says the same sort of thing when he's talking about his relationship with God. And this is right before uh, he washes the disciples' feet. He says, John 12, 45, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Jesus says, when you look at me, you see God the Father, the one who sent me down to live amongst you and be a part of your life. So God has sent him down, but what we also recall is that Jesus says, I must return. Verse 3, as he says that, he had come down from God, and he was returning to God. But before he returns to God, there is work to be done. And a part of that work is washing the disciples' feet. 
Now, this is an incredible object lesson. When I was doing youth ministry and even in preaching, we're always trying to think through, you know, what stories can we tell? What can we enact to help people understand what this bigger story is all about? Jesus came to serve. Jesus humbled himself to serve the people. And in the most humble sort of way, in the greatest act of service, he begins to wash the disciples' feet. He begins to say, I'm going to show you what this really looks like. Before I even get to the cross, here's an object lesson. Here's a story being lived out so that you can see what service actually looks like. So we need to set the room and what that upper room would have looked like. People would not have been uh, sitting on chairs. They would have been lying down. They would have been uh, probably propped up on one shoulder. Their faces, their heads would have been all towards the middle. They would have been gathered around the food that is in front of them. They would be looking towards one another. They would not be noticing what was happening with their feed. And when the servants came along and washed their feet, they would not pay attention to that. That was not something that was important. But all of a sudden, there's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. God has come close. You know, it's not that we miss God because he's so far away or he's so distant or he, 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 he's just off in the, the lands that, that we'll never be able to see. What the Gospels remind us of and what the story of Jesus shows us, particularly in this story, is that God comes so close that he's actually touching us. That Jesus is there washing the feet of his disciples. And, and, and this just unhinges them. They cannot figure out why would Jesus, their rabbi, be washing their feet? No teacher washed the feet of his disciples. This was completely unheard of. And yet there he was, washing their feet, showing them what it looks like to serve. Now Jesus says, as he wraps this up, do you understand what I've done for you in verse 12? Now it's ironic because Already in verse 7, Jesus has already said, you don't understand what I'm doing for you. But he gives them another chance in verse 12 and says and asks, do you understand what I'm doing for you? And what he's doing for them is he's serving them. But what he's ultimately saying is saying, I have done this for you. And so now you must do this for others. It's amazing to me how many of these sermons that I've been preaching on this question uh, that Jesus asked around this theme of questions that Jesus asked have had these underlying themes of serving others, of figuring out ways to come alongside others. And in the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus kneels down in love and is basically saying, as I have loved you, so you must love others. And what an incredible picture that Jesus gives to us and that he gave to his disciples. He gives his life ultimately for us. And our response to that, our response to his love, needs to be to love others. To continue to look for ways to care for those in need. I have been so encouraged on Zoom calls and phone calls and text messages and other conversations that I've had with people of the ways in which you as a church are loving others. You are kneeling in love just as Christ has knelt in love for you. 
And I want to encourage us to keep doing that. We have to be about that. Um, We are in some strange times. We don't fully understand exactly what is happening, but we need to make sure that we continue to love well. And I want to encourage you in that. I'm so grateful to hear the incredible ways that you are caring for one another. But there's another theme that's going on in this story, and it revolves around the issue of sin. And I know you're all saying, great, let's talk about sin, Paul. Already things aren't bad enough, and already we're not having enough struggles. Let's spend some time talking about sin. Well, the Apostle Paul reminds us that all of us have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. And in this text, there's this this theme that's running through there that, that, that Peter starts to get at. When he talks about, Lord, do a, go ahead and wash my whole body. And, and, but before he even says that, he says, Lord, don't, don't wash me. And Jesus is like, you need to be bathed. You need to be washed. And, and it's not a, a physical washing that Jesus is talking about here. It's the cleansing of our sins. You see, we still mess it up. Even in social distancing, we still need a Savior. I was reading in the journal, the meditation that we have for Lent that I've been going through that our church handed out several weeks ago. And on Monday's lesson, there was this line that basically said, my sin gets in the way of my happiness. My sin is a block, the way I understood this, to my joy. That if I want to be about joy, which I shared last week, that's really what I'm trying to be like, Lord, in the midst of all this, give me your joy then I have to deal with my sin. I have to take a hard look at where it is that I am failing God, where it is that I am failing myself, where it is that I am living for myself and not living fully for God. And so that morning as I read that, I just started journaling and saying, Lord, show me where my sin is getting in the way. I don't want my joy wrecked by my sin. But we must remember that sin does not have the last word. That's, that's where this week is ultimately going to take us, that, that Christ will get on the cross and Christ will die for our sins, and then he'll be raised from the dead. And because of that, our sins are forgiven. We are a new creation because of what God has done for us in and through Jesus Christ. You and I are a new creation. Sin does not have the last word. That's why Jesus says to Peter, look, I do have to cleanse you. My goodness, my mercy have to wash over you. And because of that, you are restored. You are set free. Jesus says, I have been broken. I'm going to be broken so that you may be made whole. And I hope we hear that today. That Christ is willing to be broken so that we might be made whole. It's interesting. In verse 12, um, after Jesus has now washed the disciples' feet, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he asked that question, do you understand what I have done for you? He put back on everything, and it says he went back to his place. They were all lying there together, facing inward. And then I love this image that Jesus gets down there right in the midst. Because Jesus is one who leads from the middle. Jesus is one who promises 
to be with us in the midst. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have the reminder of Jesus is in the boat with us. We took a look last week about how Jesus stops to speak to Bartimaeus. Jesus is with us. He gets up, he washes the disciples' feet, and then he returns to be in their midst. And I hope you're encouraged by that. That no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what it is that is going on, no matter how broken you might feel, no matter how encouraged you might feel, that in the midst of that, in the midst of our lives, Jesus is with us. That ultimately he was broken so that we might be made whole. Pray with me, please. Oh God, thanks for this day. Thank you that in Jesus we see one who comes beside us. Lord, who literally washes our feet, who invites us to partake of something greater than we could ever possibly imagine. God, this is nothing we can do on our own. But we thank you that in Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness. We thank you that as we come to this table, as we share this bread and this juice, that God, you are with us. That this meal reminds us of what God, of what you have done for us in and through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you free us? Would you set us free? Cleanse us of our sins. Allow us to do your work and your mission. Feed us now at this table, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.